Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. This morning I just wanted to share a short story because I'm from a Dutch background and this story is over 70 years old and the memory of part of it is over 43 years old and I had a grandfather in Holland who had eight children. My grandfather was a farmer and he hid people and I don't know how many people he hid, how far, how long, But I do remember that there was one particular young man who was hiding at my grandfather's farm, and his name was Hank. Well, Hank was discovered. Actually, Hank escaped, but my grandfather was discovered, and he went to court. Now, during the war, the Germans had all kinds of people that would help them, and the prosecuting attorney during that time was a Dutch fellow. And from what I have been told... My grandfather and him put their story together for the court about what happened. My grandfather spent three months in jail, eight kids at home. He went to court, and my grandfather was let go. Truly a miracle. Hank escaped. He died months later of tuberculosis. Um, When I was 14 years old, I was taken to Holland by my parents, And my mom said, we have to go on a little short trip. And so we did that. And we went to this house. I don't remember where. I don't remember the house number. I remember the black door at the front, going to the front door. And my mom knocked on the door. And the fellow that opened the door said, hello, who are you? When she said her maiden name, the fellow burst into tears. It was the prosecutor who got my grandfather off. My grandfather got home. He moved to Canada. He had two more children. He had ten. He was the happiest man alive forever. (laughs) So that's just a story about those. For myself, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for survivors. And there are others here from Dutch community backgrounds, different countries that were in the war. Um, And we need to remember those people as well. Today, November 12th, is Mission Sunday. And Pastor Chad and I had a little discussion about how do we tie freedom with missions, with war, and remembrance. I couldn't help but think about the word freedom as it relates to all those who started a new life after the Second World War. Freedom from an oppressive regime, freedom from the enemy, freedom from persecution, and the threat of death. I couldn't help but think about the word freedom as it relates to the contrast of North and South Korea. I couldn't help but think about the word freedom as it relates to all those who are entangled in this world so that they could possibly become free in Christ through mission. Freedom is described, I think we have a slide. Freedom is described as the state of being free or at liberty rather than in confinement or under physical restraint. Exemption from external control, interference, and regulations. 
Freedom is the power to determine action without restraint. Freedom is political or national independence. Freedom can be personal liberty as opposed to bondage or slavery. Freedom is civil liberty as opposed to subjection to an arbitrary or despotic government. There's also a little note I found. It's called the philosophy of freedom. I believe we have it on the slide. The philosophy of freedom, to have the power to exercise choice and to make decisions without constraint, from within or without, having full autonomy and self-determination. Are you free today? Are you free today in the world standard of freedom? Can you do whatever you like? Does this freedom feel real to you? Does it feel real? These are tough questions because we live in a civilized society where we experience freedom, but there are rules and guidelines to follow. There's pressure from influencers, large organizations, unions, political groups. Call out what is to be expected of us. But do we as Christians really agree with what they call out? Do we as Christians take a stand for freedom, or are we too silent in this day and age? I would dare say that even as more and more people exercise their freedom, of speech in particular, sometimes in a questionable manner, we are more silent than ever. We worry about what we say. We worry about how it's perceived, what's politically correct, and we are scared stiff that those who do not agree with us and what we say would call us out and possibly shame us. Our freedom has been stifled in a day and age where we are supposed to have more freedom than ever. And you know, we can talk and debate about this, and we probably all wouldn't agree about what real true freedom is. I do think that we need to take this back in prayer, and that you need to reflect on your personal freedom. I'd like to look at two or three pieces of scripture. The first piece, I would like to uh, read a piece. It's called The Believer's Freedom, found in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23 to 31. The believer's freedom. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If some unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if anyone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the man who told you and for the conscience sake. The other man's conscience, I mean, not yours. For why should my freedom be judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness... Why am I denounced because, I, because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. The second passage I'd like to share to you is from John 8, verse 31b to 36. Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. They answered him, 
We are Abraham's descendants and never have been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And from 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 17. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's comforting to read and see that in this church today, we have so many examples of people who are free. Free from war and oppression, but also free from sin through Christ our Lord. For we are all called to be missionaries, to provide freedom. We've all been ministered to at one point in our lives. And in all circumstances for us, the veil has been taken away. The Spirit of the Lord is in each of you. And for those who have been ministered to, out, ministered to, out, to throughout this world, where the Lord is, there is freedom. I'd like to invite the Guaymate Mission Group to come to the front, the participants. So a few months from now, this group will be leaving for the Dominican Republic, working with um, Guido and the mission there to the Haitian people in Guaymate. And we have a number of projects. The slides are just going to go through, um, but we're working on a feeding program there. We're working on finishing up a ministry center. We have some beds to make. We have sewing classes there and some more sewing machines to bring down. And, uh, And we have a courtyard to clean up. And we actually have too much work for one week or a week and a half, but um, we're really looking forward to it. Guido and I, who will be speaking to you shortly, um, have gone through some of the mission stuff. And so this is your mission team. Gloria Chan is in the, uh, with the children. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And that's all of us. Yeah, so. The... Um, the village of Guaymate is on the eastern side of the Dominican Republic, and it is right in the heart of the sugar cane, and Guido will be sharing that story. And Guaymate is about 90% Haitian, but it is in the Dominican Republic, and around Guaymate there are 30 or 40 little bates or villages of sugar cane cutters uh, with their families, and so we will also be visiting some of those bates and going there. So I just thought we'd meet the team this morning and we look forward to your support. I also wanted to remind you that at the end of this service, in a a little bit, we'll be having today's special collection for the team and for the mission work there. And so there are envelopes and pens in the chairs in front of you. Um, So you have a bit of time if you want to prepare a gift. Make it out to Bethel Church and everything is tax receivable as well. And we look forward to those donations at the end of the service. All right. Thank you. Twenty-six years ago, um, or twenty-seven, Kim and I were in the old Pentecostal church. Who knows where that is? Downtown. And, you know, the Dutch people bought that church from the Pentecostal church, so you guys would have enough money to build this facility. And that was uh, a big transition. And so I spent many years in the old Pentecostal church downtown. And twenty-seven years ago, we had a fellow come in there, a missionary, who was on the ground in Dominican Republic, And he did a mission presentation that night. And he said, you know, 
we need people to build churches and schools and do this and, and all you have to say is I will go and I was a carpenter and I didn't have children and Kim and I and I went up to him after the service and I said oh we'll go <laughs> we just, we'll go so we got a group of team of 12 together and on that first trip my good friend Max Van Til was with me and so I'd like to introduce Max Max if you would come up So Max uh, went down and he got to ride a donkey and we have a few other pictures of him in special places and for 26 years we have done different projects there. But what is kind of neat is that two years later we had another mission group that we brought down with 12 people and Max's wife Kina came down on that trip. And Kina is sitting there, she's going to sit, but she's, uh, just raise your hand Kina. And so what happened after 1993 is Max and Kina did this foolish thing and they said, you know what, we have five kids and I don't like my job so I'm just going to sell and pack everything up and I'm going to move to the Dominican Republic. And that's what he did. And so Max lived there for 15 years and worked there with all the different mission groups and three, four, five thousand different people. And so Max is my good friend. He's my, he calls me the slave driver but we slave drive each other. Um, Max is the type of person that if I give him $5, I know that the $5 is going to feed somebody down there. That's going to go into a church building. It's going to go to somebody that really is in need. My second guest today, um, who I met several years later, is Guido Pena. Guido, come up. So Guido's... Guido is my brother from a different mother. That's what he always says. And uh, Guido today is going to share with you for the next 20 minutes, 25 minutes, his life story. He's going to tell you where he was born, what he did, and that sort of thing. Max will interpret from him. I've asked Guido to do it in English, which he's very capable of. But they're going to share the story together. And so I just hope you uh, listen with an open heart. And I just want this church, um, you know, we have five or six different missions on this wall outside, which are all very important. And this is just another story of what happens in this world. So I'm going to turn it over to these two gentlemen for the next bit. And then, uh, and then we'll continue. All right. Hola. Hola. Buenos dias. I'm not uh, going to translate that because I guess you know it all. Right? Mi nombre es Guido. My name is Guido. Yo nací en la frontera de Haití con Dominicana. I was born on the border of Haiti and the Dominican Republic. And I want to tell a little bit about my, my, my life story. I was born in the, in the border of Haiti. And when I was seven years old, my mom took me to a Bible school on Wednesday nights. Eh, aunque ella no era cristiana, I was not a Christian at the time. Pero Dios la guiaba a ella para llevarme a la, a, a recibir la escuela bíblica los miércoles. But my mom took me to uh, receive uh, biblical training at that Bible school. Más tarde, eh, la costumbre haitiana, cuando se acerca los 24 de diciembre, 
much later uh, when you celebrate uh, the 24th of December la costumbre haitiana eh, preparaban a los niños en contra de los demonios the, the Haitians they will prepare the children to defend themselves against the, the devils pero una tía mía quería bañarme con su baño one of my aunts wanted to bathe me in uh, a special I have to explain it a little bit because I know the story uh, he, he had to ex, uh, he had to be bathed in a certain potion that, uh, that makes up that defense against the devils y yo le dije a ella que no porque yo quiero ser bautizado en la iglesia no con el baño de ella so he, he was seven years old but he said to his aunt he said I'm not going to do it because I want I'm I want to be a Christian. I don't want to be uh, a, a devil worshiper. Estaba muy enojada conmigo y fue a la casa de mi mamá a, a, a llevar la querella. So, <laughs> she was very annoyed with me, my aunt, and she went to my mom's house and they had a little fight, the two of them. Mi madre dice, bueno, si él no quiere, pues déjelo. Now, my, my mother said, if he doesn't want, leave him alone. Y más tarde yo fui a, a la a una iglesia cercana que había de mi casa para ser convertido. So uh, a while later I went to a, a church in my neighborhood. Uh, I wanted to be um, become a Christian. Y el pastor me dice, tu mamá no es cristiana, tu papá tampoco no es cristiano. Tú eres un niño, no podemos no podemos hacer nada por ti. So the pastor said, your mom isn't a Christian and your dad isn't a Christian, so we can't do anything with you. But he said, I said to that pastor, I said, as from now on, I'm a Christian. And when I, had, when I was 10 years old, tuve que dejar mi casa para inmigrar a la República Dominicana. I had to leave my home at age, at age of 10. I had to leave my home to go to the Dominican Republic. And two months later, uh, after I had immigrated to the Dominican, I was adopted by a family. Y cuando tenía dos años con ella, And when I was uh, with them for two years, Yo tuve que ser libre, como dice el tema hoy en día. I was set free as the theme that was preached about today. Because I said I was not born to be a slave. Y tuve que inmigrar, salir de la casa de ella para llegar a un batey. So after those two years living with that family, I left for a batey. A batey is a cane cutter village. Uh, uh, Conway already mentioned that. Quizá muchos de ustedes no conocen lo que un batey, pero es la peor vida que puede existir en el mundo entero. Most likely nobody uh, of you know what it means to live in a batey, but it's the worst place on the earth to live. En ese tiempo yo tenía apenas 12 años y algunos meses. At that time I was 12 years and a few months. Y yo tenía que trabajar para sostenerme porque no tenía papá, no tenía mamá, no tenía un hermano, no tenía nadie. Tenía que trabajar para sostenerme. So in order to sustain myself I had to work uh, because I had no mom or dad that would defend me. Y yo estuve trabajando en el campo de caña en el, en el departamento de fertilizante abono. So I had to put fertilizer on the sugarcane fields. Y cuando tenía 14 años, la mamá mía que me adoptó 
vino al, al bate y me buscó, me, me llevó a la capital. So when I was 14 years old, my mom looked me up at the bate as she took me to the capital, which is Santo Domingo. Un año después, no me gustó el sistema, otra vez tuve que emigrarme otra vez al Batey. So after a year, I didn't like the, the way they lived, so I went back to the Batey. Pues la historia es grande, y ahí seguía en la iglesia como cristiano. But the Lord is great, and I want to live like a Christian. Él nunca me ha dejado en ningún momento en ese batey. He has never let me down in this batey. Yo conocí lo que es la miseria. I knew it was misery. Y yo conocí lo que es la bondad de Dios. And I also have seen the abundance of God. Y ahí conocí a una esposa. And I got to know my wife. Y ahí tuve cuatro hijos. And with her, I have four children. Y en el año 1997, in 1997, Dios me llamó a trabajar junto con Máximo. The Lord called me to work with Max. Mi esposa no quería mudarse para la capital porque decía que la vida en la capital es muy cara. My wife didn't want to leave the Bate and live in the in the capital city because life is very expensive there. Y yo le dije, por la educación de mis hijos, yo haré lo que sea. And, but I said to her, for the education of my children, I want to leave and live there. Encontré con el hermano Máximo. And then I met Max. Y tuvimos trabajando en la misión. And we worked together in the mission. Teníamos, teníamos mucho programa de, de servicio como silla de rueda. We had many programs uh, amongst uh, others. Uh, we gave uh, wheelchairs. To... Y, teni, y teníamos un programa de, de ataúde para las personas que no tenían posibilidades. We also made coffins because uh, people live so tight that they cannot afford a $40 coffin. Usted podría decir, ¿por qué programa de, de ataúd? Podría preguntar. Uh, you explain. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, he was, he now he's going to explain why we did that uh, program with the coffins, and I already kind of let it out. Okay. Porque eh, alrededor nuestro había muchas personas cuando morían, no tenía posibilidades de recibir un ataúd. So, Where we lived, there were a lot of people around that when someone died, they didn't have any possibility to get a coffin. Entonces, nosotros como misión, nosotros como, eh, como ministerio que teníamos, nosotros nos encargamos de donarle esa, ese ataúd a esa persona. No importa si era cristiano o no era cristiano. So what we did, we, we started making those coffins and we handed them to those people that could not afford one. Entonces... Eh, más tarde, Máximo tuvo que ir, que venir a, a Canadá. So, a lot later, Max had to go back to Canada. El programa se paró. And uh, this program stopped. Pero cuando yo visitaba a la Romana, yo no soy de la Romana, yo soy de Barahona. So, when I visited la Romana, which is actually close to Guaymata, just to explain. Yo veía a los niños andando desnudos y descalzos. So, I, when I went there, I saw these little children, and they were naked and hungry. 
en un bate donde no tenía agua potable. In one bate they didn't even have drinking water. No tiene electricidad. No, no, they didn't have electricity. No tiene una letrina. They didn't have a bathroom. No tiene hospital. They didn't have a hospital. No tiene una escuela. Didn't have a school. Solamente se ve caña abajo y caña arriba. They only saw cane before and after or all around them. Entonces, eso me llamó la atención pensando en mi niñez cuando yo, yo, yo vivía en el Batey. So when I looked at that situation, I, it, it brought me back to where I started and how I lived. Y yo dije que yo tengo que hacer algo. And so I said, I have to do something about this. Porque a mí Dios me ha bendecido a mí en gran manera. Because the Lord had blessed me in a, in a great way. Mis cuatro hijos son profesionales. My four children are professionals. Yo tengo que hacer algo por esos niños que no tienen posibilidades. I have to do something for those children that don't have any possibilities. Porque no tenía dinero. Because I, but I didn't have any money. Yo hablé con Máximo. I talked to Max. Me hablé con Conroy. I talked with Conroy. Él me, ellos me dicen que tengo que lanzar. And they, they told us, uh, told me to go, go ahead anyway. Es la razón que ahora tenemos un programa de alimentación que se llama Pan B. Programa de alimentación niño de mi batey. Pan B. So we started this program and it's called uh, Bread B and that feeds children that normally won't get anything. Yeah. Entonces siempre Dios ha estado con nosotros. And since that time the Lord has been with us. Porque después de, 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 del terremoto de Haití. Because after the um, earthquake in Haiti in 2010. En el centro de ministerio tenía 14 refugiados. In this ministry center in Santo Domingo, we had 14 uh, people that fled the situation. Y tenía dos en el hospital. And we had two in the hospital. Unos de ellos murieron. One of them died. Y una niña que quedó solamente con un solo dedo en una mano. And one a little girl, five years old, only remains. Yo creo que Conroy no me va a dejar mentir. Su nombre es Ibelán. No sé si usted ha visto esa, esa muchacha. Okay. Ibelán was uh, five years old. One arm was cut off right here. En la otra mano and, tenía un solo dedo. And in the other hand, she had only one finger. Y Dios preparó al hermano Harry de, de Canadá para ayudarnos, para soportarnos, para alimentar a esa persona que estaba en el refugiado. So Harry, that's the next one with us. Harry, can you stand up for a minute? <laughs> so Harry has been involved with, uh, he is from London, uh, Ontario, but he, he has been involved with it as well, and he uh, helped with this program as well. Thank you, Harry. Dios nunca nos ha abandonado. The Lord has never abandoned us. Pero Dios me ha llamado a mí para, para enviarme, como dice, ir a la, a la profunda de agua. So the Lord called me to go to the source of the water. Él dice que vuestro trabajo en el Señor no es en vano. The, the, our, uh, our work in the Lord is not, never in vain. Y otra gran bendición es que cada uno de ustedes están soportando a República Dominicana. And that's why I'm here, because all of you are supporting the work in the Dominican Republic. Lo puedes soportar con tu oración. You can uh, bless uh, and support the work with your prayer. Con su corazón. With your heart. Con su deseo. With your uh, desire. Y con su mano. And with your hands. Yeah. 
La historia es grande, pero no vamos a hablar mucho. The, the, the story is very large and great, but um, we cannot spend a lot of time explaining that. ¿Alguna pregunta? Are there any questions? Well, it's uh, the way the way it's a long story, but I'll try to cut it as much as possible. In in the early 50s, uh, the then um, uh, president of Haiti had an agreement with the president of the Dominican Republic. The Dominican Republic had cane, and there was a, a government program, but they needed people to cut it. Well, I don't know if you ever seen uh, that type of work done. It's basically swinging a machete all day in uh, between uh, 80 and 100 degrees, uh, no shade at all. And so, and, but in order for, 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 uh, for them to house, they built barracks. And they had a, a barracks, uh, they were 12 foot by, f I think 12 by 14, and it was housing six people. It's basically only a, a place to sleep. There was no running water, no electricity, nothing. And it's just, you know, basically camping out. But, yeah, and they were not allowed to grow anything around, so they had no gardens. They were not allowed to have any animals, so they could not just add to, the, uh, uh, add to their, um, their income. And they were paid so poorly that they could not even have three meals a day, sometimes not even two. So that's, that's basically, in a nutshell, the bate. En la, la segunda razón de nuestra responsabilidad es que esos niños no tienen documento porque sus padres son inmigrantes que trabajan en el, en el corte de caña, no tienen eh, eh, pasaporte, no tienen residencia, entonces tienen niños en el batey, pero los niños no pueden pasar de cuarto curso porque no tienen acta de nacimientos. I have to expand that a little bit. We, we, you saw all these immigrants here. Right? I came in 1979 with my wife from the Netherlands, and a few years later we became citizens. Yeah. And the Dominican, as I said, a lot of Haitians came in 1950, they might have been 18, 19, 20. Uh, they usually have children a lot younger, like 15, 16, so there might be four or five or six generations of descendants of those immigrants, but they are, according to the law, uh, children of illegals, so of, so they are children of illegals, of illegals, of illegals, and they go six or seven times, and so they're illegal, and so they don't have, but I know where I came from, the town where I was born and where I came from. These, you know, the fifth generation, they have no clue where they came from, so they have no rights at all, and the parents are not, never really trying to, uh, because they, they're afraid of the, um, the government, so they don't get the papers. So that's basically where Guido is leading into. That's another part that they want to make sure that they get papers, because if they don't have papers, they cannot go to school. If they don't go to school, they will be forced to do the same thing that mom and dad did, cutting cane. 
Entonces nuestra responsabilidad no solamente alimentarlo físicamente, sino ayudarlo mentalmente para que sea alguien en la sociedad mañana. So the whole reason is this, not only to feed them, but also to make sure that they can go to school so that they can be uh, pillars in their society and also be helping others again. Como, como Dios me llamó a mí, so the way the Lord called me y que Dios tiene el amor para ellos, that I also have to teach them that the Lord loves them as well because a lot of them think that their, their life isn't worth anything pero yo, nosotros estamos encargados para enseñarle que sí, que Dios lo ama y tiene un futuro seguro para ello. And so what we are trying to teach them that, that, that it's not true that they are not worth anything. The Lord loves them and he wants the best for them. Gracias. So there you have it. And I want to thank Guido and Max for coming. I want to thank each of you for your heart this morning for listening and just hearing a different story. And I want you to remember uh, it's about freedom. Not just freedom from war, it's about freedom from persecution, freedom from hunger, freedom from governments and sugarcane companies and all that sort of thing. And it's a really big picture. And I just thank you for coming today. At this time, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Chad. Uh, who's going to lead the offering and closing. Thank you. I love watching um, countries work within themselves to help change themselves. And this is what it's investing in. And that's what I love about this. And so let's pray together as the ushers come. Father, we thank you for a day like today, Father, where we remember the freedom we have. And Lord, we hear about places in the world that doesn't have the same freedom as us. Father, I think of the students in the front row that, Lord, they go to school every day. And Father, they get to go just because of where they live. And so, Father, I think of the students that don't get to go because of where they live. And so, Father, this morning, we know that you love everybody in this world the same. And so, Holy Spirit, help us to share your love. Help us to be a light wherever we go, whether that's in another country or whether that's just across our driveway to talk to our neighbors. Lord, I pray that you help us to let our light shine in our community where you have us. So, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the freedom that we have, not just physically, but, Father, because we've accepted your Son into our lives, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so, Father, we live spiritually free where we cannot be bound by things and so lord guide us this week lead us strengthen us and lord help us to be a light for you in your name we pray amen thanks for checking out this week's message bethel church podcast we hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well 